following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Fellowship Bible tonight. We're glad that you're here, and we're looking forward to an update from our dear friends, the McMahons. First Chronicles chapter 4, though, we'll read. The sons of Judah were Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Ahur, and Shobal. And Reiah, the son of Shobal, begat Jahath, and Jahath begat Ahumai and Lechah. These were the families of the Zorathites. These were the sons of the father of Etam, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbash. And the name of their sister was Hazalephani. That is a mouthful right there. And Penuel was the father of Gedor, and Ezer was the father of Husha. These were the sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrathah, the father of Bethlehem. Now, isn't that interesting? Bethlehem Ephrathah, out of thee will come a ruler. Verse 5, And Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hila and Naara. Naara bore him Ahuzam, Hefer, Temeni, and Ha'ashatari. These were the sons of Naara. The sons of Hila were Zareth, Zohar, and Ethnan. And Kaz begot Anub, Zobeba, and the families of Aharhel, the son of Harum. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, and your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. A very interesting example of answered prayer. Uh, Too much made of that, though, with the uh, prayer of Jabez uh, some years ago. Remember that? Verse 11, Chelub, the brother of Shuha, begot Mehir, uh, who was the father of Eshton. And Eshton begot Beth-Raphah, Paseah, and Tehenah, the father of Ir-Nahash. These were the men of Rekah. The son of, sons of Kenaz were Othniel and Seraiah. Sons of Othniel were Hathath and Maonathai, who begot Ophrah. Seraiah begot Joab, the father of Gecharashim, for they were craftsmen. The sons of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, were Iru, Elah, and Naam. The son of Elah was Kenaz. The son of Jehalel were Ziph, Ziphah, Tiriah, and Asarel. Sons of Ezra were Jether, Mered, Ephor, and Jelon, and Mered's wife bore Miriam, Shemai, and Ishba, the father of Eshtemoah. His wife Jehudijah bore Jared, the father of Gedor, Heber, Heber sorry, the father of Soko, and Jekuthiel, the father of Zenoah. And these were the sons of Bithiah, the daughter of Pharaoh, whom Mered took. Sons of Hodiah's wife, the sister of Naham, were the fathers of Kiliah, uh, the Garmite, and Eshtimoah, the Maakathite. And the sons of Simon, uh, Shimon, sorry, were Ammon, Rina, Bethhanan, and Tilon. And the sons of Ishi were Zoheth and Ben Zoheth. Sons of Shelah, the son of Judah, were Ur, the father of Lekah, Laada, the father of Marashah, and the families of the house of the linen workers of the house of Ashbeah, also Joachim, the men of uh, Koziba, and Joash, Seraph, who ruled in Moab, and uh, Jehubi Lechem. Now the records 
are ancient. These were the potters and those who dwell at Nataim and Gadara, they, uh, where they dwelt with the king for his work. The sons of Simeon were Nemuel, Jamin, Jerib, Zerah, and Shaul, Shalom his son, Mibsam his son, and Mishma his son. And the sons of Mishma were Hemuel his son, Zakur his son, and Shimei his son. Shimei had 16 sons and six daughters, but his brothers did not have many children, nor did any of their families multiply as much as the children of Judah. They dwelt at Beersheba, Moladah, Hazar Shuel, Bilha, Ezem, Tolad, Bethuel, Horma, Ziklag, Beth, Markaboth, Hazar Susim, Beth Biri, and Sha'ariam. These were their cities until the reign of David. And their villages were Etam, Ain, Ramon, Token, and Ashan, five cities, and all the villages that were around these cities as far as Baal. These were their dwelling places, and they maintained their genealogy. Mehoshab, Jamlech, and Joshua, the son of Amaziah, Joel, and Jehu, the son of Jehoshbiah, the son of Seriah, the son of Asiel, uh, Elioni, Jacoba, Jeshoshiah, Asiah, Adiel, Jesamiel, and Benaiah, Ziza, the son of Shiphi, the son of uh, Alon, the son of Jediah, the son of Shimri, the son of Shemaiah. These mentioned by name were leaders in their families, and their father's house increased greatly. So they went to the entrance of Gedor as far as the east side of the valley to seek pasture for their flocks. And they found rich, good pasture, and the land was broad, quiet, and peaceful, for some Hamites formerly lived there. These recorded by name came in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and they attacked their tents and the Muonites who were found there and utterly destroyed them, as it is to this day. So they dwelt in their place because there was pasture for their flocks there. Now some of them, 500 men of the sons of Simeon, went to Mount Seir, having as their captains Pelatiah, Neriah, Raphiah, and Uziel, the sons of Ishi, and they defeated the rest of the Amalekites who had escaped. They have dwelt there to this day. First Chronicles and chapter number four. We uh, leave that with you to ponder. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to turn over the uh, pulpit here to Brother McMahon and uh, perhaps uh, uh, his wife as well. I don't know if they're going to give testimony or what they're going to do, but we'll let you do that. Okay. All right. Thank you. And you don't have to do that. Whatever. <laughs> That was a very impressive reading of First Chronicles 4. I, my wife and I read the Old Testament aloud, and when we get to that section, it's really uh, quite, a, quite a challenge, and thank you for that. Well, this evening, uh, one of the things I'd like to do is give you an update of what the Lord is doing and the works in New Zealand. We're so privileged to be there, and such a privilege to have you as a part of that. I hope you will feel a part of it as you see the pictures and the, the people that um, God is working in their lives. And I trust that you might realize that someday you'll meet them in heaven. And um, I know they would probably like to meet some of you here on earth if you do make it to New Zealand, <clears throat> which we have had from time to time, a rare visit from someone in our congregations. And uh, it's always a joy to have them come and to, to meet the people firsthand and to be able to uh, use any gifts that they might have to uh, further the work of Christ in New Zealand. So uh, thank you for your prayers. Of course, as I mentioned this morning, uh, without prayer, we go nowhere. 
And so we value that. Uh, we're praying for you and for the ministries here, and we thank you so much for joining uh, together, praying for us. And uh, I have been trying to get out updates every week. Uh, the last, since we had on furlough, I haven't done very much of getting my updates out. But um, it's been mainly family times and uh, spending time with family, and it has been a joy uh, to be with our children. We've been able to connect with all three of our daughters that are in the U.S. and all ten of our grandchildren and our sons-in-law, and law, law, laws, whatever. And uh, so it's been a, a great joy uh, to do that because uh, when you live overseas and you don't get to celebrate birthdays and you don't get to be there for special events and things, it's really nice to come and, and have that time to get together. And so seems like every time we come back and our family has a reunion, we, we have a holiday home somewhere, and, and the grandkids have no clue of where we live. You know, they think we, we own this home or we own that home, and so uh, the younger ones think, oh, we're going to go to Grandpa's house or Grandma's house? And they have no clue uh, where we actually live. <laughs> so it's uh, a privilege, again, then, to uh, present um, our ministry to you. And, again, this is... Um, the work of the Lord, because the Lord says, I will build my church. And, you know, the Lord is, is doing a work. And even though things might be slower than what we would like, or maybe things don't always go the way we would hope they go, nevertheless, uh, God is working. And it's amazing the ways that he uses people and the way that he uses his word in ways that you would never suspect, um, ways that you could never plan for. And God builds the church one soul at a time. And so I'd like to share that with you this evening. Um, so just going back there, I, our ministry in New Zealand has been with Biblical Ministries Worldwide. Uh, they're in Atlanta, Georgia area. And uh, they have, um, I think, around 300 missionaries around the globe now. And it's a, it's a privilege to be a part of that team. We have six units in New Zealand. One is a single lady that has just come to join our field. I'll show you her photo in a minute. Uh, we have five other families that are involved in the ministries with BMW in New Zealand, besides uh, other national pastors that we fellowship and a few from other mission organizations that we have fellowship with in New Zealand. So we have uh, a number of people that we can, you know, take turns um, encouraging if they're visiting another town, another church that they might be able to visit because there's a good church there, uh, doing some camps together. We do have men's retreats and ladies' retreats, uh, as well as uh, teen retreats and uh, things like that. So it's a joy to have other Christians on the field that can encourage one another. It's very important. Let's see, There we go. There's our flag, the we're part of the Commonwealth, part of the British Commonwealth, and we have the Southern Cross. Australia's flag looks similar, but they have five stars on theirs. We only have four stars. And uh, the, the Southern Cross is uh, very apparent in the night sky in New Zealand. They used it to navigate, and uh, especially in the days before they had all the modern equipment. And I like their national anthem. It's actually... Uh, quite good. It's called God Defend New Zealand. A lot of people don't believe in God. It's uh, over 50% of the people are secular, and yet our national anthem is God Defend New Zealand. 
They want to change it. <laughs> Some people want to change it, but we're praying that uh, it will stay there because it's a testimony of the Lord. So we are involved uh, in Wellington. The last time we were with you, we were also in Wellington, which I think was in 2015. But before that, we served in Auckland for about 27 years. And we have been involved now uh, in ministry in right on the bottom of the South Island. So you can, you can go up the hill behind our house and gaze across the Cook Strait and see the South Island on a clear day. And it's... Um, very windy. And in fact, as you fly into the airport in Wellington, this is uh, the sign on the hillside, and it indicates that there's high wind. And sometimes flying an airplane into Wellington is a scary thing. Bev and I flew on one, and I was starting to get sick as we came in and we were swaying, and they were going to land, and then they took off again, and then they came around and, and found a better approach. And and landed, and sometimes you look at the landings and you go, wow. And as soon as they landed on this one flight, everybody just was so relieved. They just all applauded, the pilot, of course, and, and the uh, hostess or the stewardess came on, and she said, that's why they pay them the big bucks. <laughs> that's our harbor, and when we go to church uh, on Sundays or home groups during the week, we travel right along this harbor, and it's a lovely drive, a beautiful view. We never get tired of that. Our capital, uh, Wellington is the capital of New Zealand, and um, they say that's why there's so much wind there, I guess. Uh, but that's where uh, the, the laws are passed, and, and pray for New Zealand. They're passing laws that are very ungodly. Um, they have kind of sneakily passed in uh, full-term abortion now. Uh, and it's just uh, very sad to see a prime minister who has, seems to have such world renown for her kindness and everything, the way she cared for the Muslims after the, the, um, the uh, slaughter of uh, some of the Muslims a couple of years ago in their, in their mosques. And she adorned the Muslim headgear and, and identified with them. And, and, and the whole world thinks that uh, that's, that's very kind, which she did show kindness there. But certainly the unborn haven't been treated very kindly. And um, so we're, we need a lot of prayer, just like uh, all of us do in, in the countries of the world, especially Western countries, as we see the change uh, where... Sodom and Gomorrah is right up on our doorsteps. And, you know, they say, though, when the time is the darkest, the light shines the brightest. So may the Lord enable us to shine brightly in this dark, dark world that we live in. We have been working with the Davis family. Pink is his actual name. He grew up in Chicago. He reminds me of a boy named Sue. Uh, and he... Uh, he grew up in inner city Chicago. He has a, a gift of especially um, ministering to people who've been involved in, in drugs or, or in a lifestyle that's, that's uh, you know, been messed up because he's been raised in a very difficult situation in inner city Chicago. He's also got a voice that you don't need any amplification. 
uh, he has got a good set of lungs, and when he preaches, you hear it. And I thank the Lord for that, and, and God has gifted him in that way. And they have five children. Their newest baby is uh, a little boy. They had four girls and finally had a boy. I pray for him. He's got kidney issues. He's got a lot of health issues. And so uh, they are uh, seeking continued help for this little guy. His name is Johan. Our vision, as stated here, is to multiply through house fellowships that will function more as house churches. And all our house fellowships will gather on Sundays at Walter Nash Center, which could change if we lose that particular venue. It is a a lovely venue. I'll show you a picture of it next. But uh, it is um, no guarantee that we'll be able to stay there. But for now, it's all working really well. And we look to establish a new church plant utilizing one or more of the house fellowships in the target area. This is the Walter Nash Center where we meet. Uh, It is quite a nice facility. I think there's about four full-size basketball courts. There's rooms for conferences. There's a library there. There's a, uh, a little cafe. There's a gymnasium. So a lot of people are moving in and out of this facility. They will have, uh, for instance, uh, some kind of a conference on trains or something like that, and people that are train enthusiasts will come through. There will be basketball tournaments going on, and we'll be meeting during the same time in in a room right off the main foyer where our sign is up and everybody sees it, and occasionally uh, people hear the singing or hear the preaching, and they walk in and say, oh, we... We just uh, heard, heard. I uh, didn't know there was a church uh, service going on here, and we just wanted to come in and hear and join you. Uh, we had one guy from Germany that um, was, you know, just on a, a tourist passing through, and he heard the, the singing and came in and worshiped with us, and, and people just walk in off the street. So it, it's a really nice location uh, where we are in that respect. Our core family, where we started, was in around 2017, we began uh, meeting at the Walter Nash, not on a Sunday, but on a midweek. And this family, Francis and Christy, and their two children, uh, have been the foundational core people for our group. Everybody needs some good, solid people that you can uh, have to, uh, to, to get the, the, the church plant going. And Francis has been committed from the beginning. Uh, Pink met Francis when he was uh, helping out in another church, and Francis was attending there. But Francis lived in Lower Hut, which is um, in another part of Wellington. And uh, when, when he heard that uh, Pink was wanting to get a church started, he said, you can, you know, I'll be a part of that. I would like to be a part of that, and, and I will make my home available. And he has uh, just he and his wife are very hospitable. They in, they have people at their home a lot, uh, and they've used their home not only for our group but for strangers or maybe not strangers, but people that they they know, but you know they're not family. And they've invited them to come in and get settled until they can get their own home or get a place to live when they've come to Wellington if they're moving there. And so God has used them in in a wonderful way. And Francis is now uh, being equipped 
to pastor this church. Uh, pray for Francis and, and for Christy. It's a huge step. He's getting equipping in the church. He doesn't have any other training outside of that. And, uh, and so pray that we can uh, give him the training he needs and the experience that he needs so that he can uh, carry on this ministry after we're gone. Libby is uh, Francis' sister, but when they came to New Zealand, they, they had to requalify, and Francis, having to support a family, didn't have time to do the requalification. He had to get right into work to support the family, and so he's working in, hosp- in the hospital, but it's encoding uh, is what he's doing. Libby tried to get her nurse's uh, qualifications. She went for a whole year uh, to the South Island, and came up short. So unfortunately, she's, she didn't quite make it, but she is working in a, a nursing home. Our home group then uh, met in Francis' home, and uh, we started out with, uh, actually, we didn't start it. This is a little bit later down the road. This is probably uh, 2018 is when we started services on Sunday morning, so this is probably later on in 2018. Is this 2019? Okay, 2019. So a year into our church plant, and uh, the Lord has brought in some uh, wonderful people. Jessa on the left um, is Christy. Uh, I mentioned Francis and Christy. Christy's sister, Jessa, uh, came to New Zealand from the Philippines, and uh, she wanted to uh, get a job, and, and so she lived with them and, until she could find a job, and she came along to our Bible studies, but she wrote back home, that's Christy's mother and Jessa's mother in the middle holding her little granddaughter, but Jessa told her family back in the Philippines, um, don't worry, I will not leave the faith, and talk about the Catholic faith, I, I won't leave the faith like my sister did, you know, and she's become uh, different now, but I will keep the faith. Well, she came to the Bible studies, and and she asked questions, and she uh, was astute and uh, wanting to learn, and uh, in um, probably about seven months after we started Sunday services, she gave her, her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and was baptized and so we rejoice in the first, she's the first fruits of our church plant. And we thank the Lord for her. At the time, she was dating a man named Isaac, who she now married to. But he was uh, assigned to uh, seaman's duty. He's an engineer on a ship. And he is gone, you know, like 10 months out of the year at sea. Uh, but uh, they continued their relationship, and he came she went back to the Philippines, and they got married. And then he wanted to come to New Zealand for about a month and, um, and see what life's like there. And while he was there, I think um, he just didn't want to go back to the sea. And he called off his assignment, and he stayed in New Zealand. And uh, they uh, are serving the Lord. I, it's a wonderful couple. We love them. And they've been very, very helpful. Now, the mother, she is stuck in New Zealand because she came over and then COVID hit, and she couldn't return to the Philippines. So she's been with us now for over a year, and uh, she had two grandbabies born in two days. 
Uh, Christy had a baby girl. Or maybe it was the other way around. Was it Jessa first? Jessa had a baby girl. And one day later, her sister Christy had a baby girl. A boy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, a baby boy. So within two days, two babies, grandmothers holding two children. And um, it, was, it was amazing. They even got to stay in the same hospital room and, and uh, nurse their children. And, uh, and God even, uh, one of them didn't have enough breast milk, but the other one had too much breast milk. And so they were able to feed their children. <laughs> uh, and God just supplied in so many wonderful ways for their family. But Violetta, the mother, is, as far as we know, she's not saved. She's, she's still Catholic, but she comes to the meetings uh, and everything. So we're praying that God would soften her heart and get a hold of her heart. Another family that God brought along is uh, Max and Mylene and uh, Carrillo and their children. They uh, came as a result of Francis and Christy because uh, Francis knew Max in the Philippines, and they knew each other also in Auckland. They both were involved in a, well, Max has, a, uh, has quite, a, quite a testimony. If you hear Max's testimony, he, he had a rough, <laughs> rough life. He, he, was, uh, he wanted to start his own gang, basically, and he was, he was a mean dude and involved in a pretty messed up life. But he came to New Zealand in Auckland and met a man named Irwin, who's a pastor in Auckland. And uh, Irwin had Bible studies with uh, Max. Max came to know Jesus Christ through that uh, ministry. And then when Francis saw the change in Max, he wanted to learn about what was happening as well. And he went and, and uh, Pastor Irwin spent time with Francis and led him to Christ. And then Francis ended up in Wellington, and that's how he became part of our core group. Their children are, uh, are just uh, really neat kids. They're, they're just a lot of fun. We enjoy them and their whole family. Another uh, man who came, uh, I think, about two or three months after we began Sunday services is named Abe. He's from Indonesia but he's been in New Zealand for a number of years. He came from that same church in Auckland where Erwin Santosa is the pastor. Erwin is actually uh, Abe's uh, cousin. And uh, Abe has been in the U.S. He went to Bible college at, um, what's the name of that college, hun? In Missouri. Anyway, he was there for about four years. He returned to New Zealand and um, serving the Lord in Auckland, but then God moved him to Wellington in a ministry with uh, Bible Society, and he's working now in Wellington, and he's uh, part of our fellowship. So within about three or four months of launching this church on Sunday services, God sent Max and Mylene and Abe. Desiree hadn't come yet because... They weren't married yet. It was just Abe for a while. But Abe had an opportunity to speak at a young adult's uh, camp. And guess who was at that young adult's camp? Her name was Desiree. And as soon as Abe saw her, uh, I think things might have happened in his brain. 
And, uh, and they, I think they, you, you know, just sort of uh, developed a relationship from that point and eventually got married. Bev and I had the opportunity to do premarital counseling with them in our home, and I was able to perform the wedding for them. They even did a foot washing service in their wedding, and so it was, that was unique. I'd never seen that before. And so we, we thank the Lord for bringing Abe, who is a good teacher of the word. He's very helpful in leading a home group from time to time, uh, as well as some of these other men that are getting equipping in this area. Another lady that's a part of our fellowship is Tia. Uh, she's a Maori lady. She is a, uh, a uh, therapist, um, massage therapist. And Pink uh, messed his shoulders up doing uh, weights and stuff. And he needed some therapy. And so she's been working on his shoulders. And while she's working on his shoulders, he's telling her about Jesus. And she starts coming to our fellowship. But she's not saved yet. And in fact, it wasn't until just within, within the last, um, I'd say the last 10 months, she's come to know the Lord Jesus. Uh, it took like, you know, quite a few years of sitting under the ministry of the word of God and seeing how the church relates to one another. Because there's a lot of, a lot of superstitions in the Maori uh, culture and things that she had to work through to get a grasp on what the gospel really was. So, you know, you can't just tell someone one time. Many times we have to hear it over and over and over again. We have to see it in action. We have to experience it uh, until we can actually come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and receive that gospel. She has uh, three children. Right now she's, she doesn't have a home. Um, she, she is uh, living in a government-provided one-room apartment with her three children, and it's very, very crowded. They have a lot of sickness in their family. It makes it hard for her to be in church on a regular basis. But she's a lovely lady. She loves the Lord, and she's growing in her faith, and uh, we're so grateful for that. Diane came to uh, serve with us. Diane is, uh, was a missionary in New Zealand many years ago. She and her husband uh, were involved in the ministries in New Zealand for maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 years before they took a furlough. Before that, they were missionaries in Alaska for about three years, and he was a missionary pilot. And you talk to this lady, and she's strong, man. She's endured some things in Alaska that, uh, you, you know, like they had a baby there, and, and you got to bundle these kids up if you go outside even for a few seconds because it's so cold, it will freeze you. Uh, and flying airplanes uh, in Alaska and things. Uh, she's got quite a interesting uh, experiences in her life. And uh, anyway, they were serving the Lord in New Zealand. They went back on furlough, and he was playing church softball game, and he just dropped dead right like that. And she's left now with an eight-year-old daughter, a home in New Zealand, a ministry in New Zealand. She's in America. What is she going to do? She goes back to New Zealand. She wraps up affairs there. She goes back to the, to, uh, she comes back to the U.S., uh, finds a place to live, gets a job at Appalachian Bible College, and uh, serves there for a number of years. You know her? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing lady, isn't she? Serving the Lord at Appalachian Bible College, 
raising her daughter. And then she says, you know, uh, I'm ready to, to go back and be involved in, in missions. I'd like to go to New Zealand. And she asked the area director we had at that time, Bill Lake, do you have any openings in New Zealand? He says, oh, just write to Jack. And, and uh, she wrote to me, and, and I said, uh, yeah, we, would, we, have an op- we have an opening. We have a couple of openings. You, you can choose. And so she, she wanted to come to Wellington, and uh, she did. She came to Wellington. And the amazing thing is that, you know, maybe she thought she was leaving her daughter behind, but her daughter ended up marrying a Kiwi guy. She met him in America, of all places. <laughs> he came on a golf scholarship. He was at um, you know, some West Virginia um, university. And uh, some of her friends says, there's a guy from your country. Because even though she was only like eight when she left, she said, I, New Zealand is my country. There's a guy from your country that, that you got to meet him. And so she met him, and eventually they got married. And now she's living in the South Island. And so Diane, even though she stepped out, willing to leave her daughter and family, God brought her daughter to New Zealand. So that's, that's pretty wonderful the way God works these things out. And uh, we thank the Lord for Diane's ministry. She's not only um, helps discipling ladies, she also teaches children. She's like a grandmother to um, some of the kids. In fact, one of the children calls her grandma, uh, one of the kids that you saw earlier in the slides. And, uh, you know, they all love her and really appreciate her because she she can, uh, you know, help Pink and Selena get away for a little break by watching their kids, uh, helps Max and Mylene get away and others get away for a little break. So we appreciate her ministry in so many ways. Another uh, couple that joined our ministry is Rennell and Eileen, and they recently had a little baby girl. That's their first child. In one year, we had five babies born <laughs> in the uh, fellowship, so... God is uh, giving us growth in that way for sure. And it's, uh, it's really fun to go there and to, to see all these little babies and uh, all the noise that goes on. <laughs> Sam and Tintin and their family, uh, they also had a little baby last year, and uh, they came and joined our fellowship last year. They, the connection there also was in Auckland, not at Pastor Irwin's church, but at another one of our sister churches. Her cousin said, uh, there's a church in Wellington close by to where you live. You ought to check it out. And so they came and, and visited, and then they disappeared for a whole month. Uh, we didn't know if they'd be coming back again. And then they turned up again, and they said, well, we want to be a part of this church. We just needed to look around at a few other places, and now we've made our decision. So uh, they are faithfully serving the Lord now with their gifts and abilities and getting equipping and getting training. These are some of the guys that are, I said they're single guys, but they're not all single. Uh, Mark, he's Samoan, and he uh, is divorced. Uh, He had to raise seven children on his own and his wife got involved in drugs and everything she is still around um i think they're divorced i'm not sure what their status is but she's still around and she still has input into the kids lives which he welcomes but um she needs the lord and mark 
came because he was attending a, a, a church that was um, health and wealth, and he just got fed up with it, and he wanted some substance from the Word of God, and so he's come along, and he's been growing and learning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Could you all hear Bev in the back? She she said he he was one that just came and he was in the library at the Walter Nash and he heard the preaching and he came in and from that point on he's been a part of us. Uh, the guy in the middle named Christian, the short guy, he's short but he's powerful. Uh, looks like he could be a weightlifter or something, but he's, um, he, he was on the verge of becoming communist. Uh, he, you know, he was raised Catholic and everything, but he didn't necessarily follow that way, and he was searching, but he never got answers. He had a lot of questions, but he didn't get the answers from the scriptures, and um, he started uh, coming because of his connection with Francis, and Francis was very instrumental in, in in his salvation. Francis opened his home, welcomed him, and through that time there, he would attend our Bible studies, our home groups and things, and God began to answer some of his questions that he had. He didn't actually trust the Lord in Wellington. He was back on a work assignment in Auckland because he kind of goes back and forth between Auckland and Wellington with the work that he did. And while he was in Auckland, he went and met Pastor Irwin. <laughs> and while he was at Irwin's, Irwin um, led him to Christ. And so uh, we praise the Lord for that. And, and his name, he, was, he went by J.J. before that, and, and Irwin said to him, you know, your real name is Christian. Why don't you go by Christian? That's a great name. And so he doesn't go by J.J. anymore. He goes by Christian. So uh, it's a joy to have him, and he's a part of... Um, the equip, equip class that we are using to equip the men for training and women that want to be equipped as well. The, the guy on the far right is named Raj. He's from India. And Raj is from another church, in a sister church in Hamilton. Uh, our colleague led him to Christ and discipled him, but he moved to Wellington also. And he's been involved in our ministry as well. He was just baptized a few months ago. And this is the congregation on Mother's Day. So you see a lot of pink there. And uh, we, we have a lot of fun. Uh, they really like to do photos. They, you, they, they take a lot of uh, group photos and everything. And so we never have any problem finding photos. <laughs> but the exciting thing is in an early church plant, is the enthusiasm for the word. I hope that never wears out, but I know that it can. But I pray that they will always have uh, hungry hearts to, to want to hear and learn and grow and obey the word of God. Oops, sorry, this thing goes a little fast. Let me go back. Here we go. This is the um, Saturday morning group that I have at my home. We call it Equip. Uh, there's another one that's going on in the church with uh, another group of people, but these men have been coming uh, for the last uh, year or so to my home, 
and we've gone through, I think they'd already gone through how to interpret the Bible, and then we went through Old Testament survey and New Testament survey together, and now we're going through survey of theology, and it is a joy uh, to teach these men on Saturday mornings. We meet from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., so it's early, but then they have the day to be with their family, and so it doesn't tie up a whole day. And the, the guys that are there, as I already mentioned, some of them, Mark is Samoan. Eric, uh, Eric is from Ghana, and uh, he is a very teachable man. He's, uh, he came to New Zealand. He got his doctorate in New Zealand, and he's involved in education. And he's, he's been very instrumental in the Ghanaian community because there's a lot of people coming from Ghana to go to uh, university in Wellington for their degrees, and he is uh, a good connector for them to help them maybe find employment, to find uh, housing or whatever. And so he's, he's quite active in the Ghanaian community, he and his wife. They were a part of our fellowship up until uh, last, probably last six months when they started going to a church closer to where they live because of the fact that there's more Ghanaian people in that congregation I'm praying for them because it's a Catholic church, and they have a Catholic background. And even though Eric, uh, he seems to be really grasping and understanding the difference between uh, Christianity and Catholicism, I think his wife has a lot of sway there, and maybe for certain reasons he's supporting the attendance in the Catholic church where uh, they live locally. So pray for, uh, pray for them and uh, Eric and Diana and their family. And then Christian is um, next to me. And so when we, when we meet, uh, one of the things about the curriculum that we use is there's no illustrations in the curriculum. And that's designed so that people, wherever they are, wherever they live in the world, can bring in their own illustrations of how to put the scriptural principles into practice. And so it's really exciting because we have four cultures, Filipino, Samoan, uh, Ghanaian, and uh, American slash Kiwi uh, cultures in there. And so it's, it's, it's very uh, interesting how as we discuss a passage of scripture or some truth of theology, how that's brought out and flavored by how it's done in their particular countries. I met uh, Viv through Indoor Bowls. Uh, I, I like these old man games and old women games. And one of these is, is Indoor Bowls where you don't need to be very physical to do it. Um, and it's basically a 22-foot mat that you roll out on the ground. Uh, and it's uh, about four and a half feet wide or so. And you roll a weighted ball which curves when you roll it. And you try to get as close as you can to a little white ball called a jack. Uh, and you get points for as many balls that are closest to that. And it's just a fun game that I enjoy. And I uh, get to know people that way. I think uh, people I would never obviously have met. Uh, one's name is George. <laughs> One time I was riding in the car with George, and, and I was in the back seat. And there was another lady in the front seat. And George looks over to her, and he says, um, Jack's a Christian, and and her name's Chris. Chris is an atheist, 
and I'm a backslidden Presbyterian. <laughs> and, and he went on to explain what that meant. It meant that his wife was Presbyterian and their children were baptized Presbyterian, but he doesn't go to the Presbyterian church, so he's a backslidden Presbyterian. And Chris is an atheist. And so it gave me an opportunity uh, to explain why I was a Christian, what that meant to me. And so that was a, just an open door that, that came, and, and I appreciate that opportunity. So in New Zealand, they have clubs for about everything. If you want to get to know people, just join a club. Uh, and Bev's joined the choir, and uh, she's gotten to know a lot of people through the choir. Uh, we play table tennis uh, on a fairly regular basis, about once a week. And we've gotten to know a lot of people through table tennis and have opportunities to share Christ. <laughs> One lady, she's from uh, Hong Kong, but she's living in New Zealand. Uh, where? Malaysia. And uh, I've known her now for four or five years. I've had some Bible studies with her, but she really can't leave her grasp of um, uh, Buddhism. And, but we have some really interesting dialogues, and we continue to sow the seed and uh, hope that God will, will bring her and her son to the Lord Jesus. So uh, Viv, though, is from a Jehovah's Witness background, and, and uh, as I talked with Viv, I asked him if he would like to study the Bible, and he said, sure. And, and so I went over to his house, and then he started coming over to my house, and uh, we've been going through a, uh, a thing called the Story of Hope, which is uh, basically uh, 20 stories or narratives from the Old Testament, 20 narratives from the New Testament, and it ties them all together, showing how it all points to Jesus Christ and the gospel. So I'm praying for Viv that he, he would say he's a Christian, but uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about it just by the things that he says sometimes and the struggles that he faces. Yes, <laughs> that's him. <laughs> and Viv's wife is an atheist, um, so we're praying for her too. I don't get to talk to her, but Viv does. <laughs> so hopefully he'll know enough to pass on to her. Uh, the church where we involved, we were involved for 20-plus years is South Auckland Bible Church, and um, a few months ago I was able to go, go back and visit there. And it's a joy to see how God is using uh, Pastor Jeremy and uh, the, the people that are there now. There's new people, a lot of people that we've never met. And so even though the, uh, the old uh, missionaries fade off the scene, God's work continues on, and he raises up others and uh, the work goes on. I thank the Lord that he is the one who's building his church. It doesn't rely on any particular human being, but the power of the gospel, the work of the Holy Spirit, changes lives and um, keeps spreading, keeps spreading. Uh, one of the highlights uh, being here this time on furlough was when we first came back to the States in May, we went to Houston and my brother, this was taken two years ago. He looks a lot better here than he did a few months ago. Uh, he was totally not able to get out of his, well, he was able to get out of his chair, but it was really difficult. And he had to have nurse care and things like that. But uh, Austin is um, married to a Catholic lady, and um, he did... 
I think, kind of make a profession of faith. I thought he was a Christian at one point. But when he had heart surgery five years ago, he really got saved because he said, God has given me a second chance. And the things that he had learned over the years must have come back to him because he knew how to, how to come to the Lord, how to receive salvation. And there was a major change in his life, as I've mentioned already this morning. So uh, I had three days. Bev and I had three days to go over there. We just sat down and and face-to-face with Austin. We talked, and he wanted to talk about heaven. You know, he wanted to talk about seeing the Lord, and he knew that it probably wouldn't be too long before he actually was able to go and be with his Lord. Of course, he he's had a concern for his wife because they have a a son at home. He's He's in his mid-40s, and he's got uh, schizophrenia, and if he gets off his medication, he can go pretty crazy, and they've had a lot of pain and a lot of struggles trying to help this uh, young man, uh, and he's ended up in all kinds of care places, state care, um, but he just walks out and goes back home again. They were paying a lot of money to keep him in there, and he'll just walk out, and no matter where he is in Houston, he seems to be able to walk home and find his way back home and then still have the same problems. But Linda now is with Austin Jr. on her own. They're in the house, and he's off his medication now. He's not taking his medication. Um, But I talked to my sister the other day, and she said, he's still doing all right, but I know that if he keeps going on without taking his medication, things are going to happen. But, you know, Linda, she said he... He must be prayed up. She she said, Austin prayed for us. He prayed for people so regularly. He must be prayed up, you know. And and, uh, I think my sister said to Linda, well, you know, you can pray too, you know. (laughs) And and you can also read the Bible and things like that and watch these biblical programs on TV that Austin watched. But she's pretty, pretty firm in her Catholic faith. She's scared to leave it, I believe. We're praying that she might come to know Jesus Christ. Now, at the funeral, uh, Austin's son, Michael, who actually took my name, I grew up as Michael. My name's Jack Michael McMahon. And when I joined the Army, they didn't want to know your middle name. They wanted to know your first name, middle initial, and last name. So I started going by Jack when I was in the Army, and I was only about six months as a Christian when I joined the Army. So I kind of think my Christian name is Jack, and my uh, pagan name is Michael and she said, well, I like the name Michael, and you're not going to use it. I'm going to give it to our son. So his name is Michael. And Michael came and sat down at the table at lunch, and he asked me after, after we chatted a bit, he said, how can I begin a journey with God? Now, that was, I, I had no, that, that took me one by surprise. But uh, what an opportunity. And I know that my brother, of course, prayed for him and wanted to see his family come to know Christ. And how amazing that at his funeral, his son asked that question. And so pray for Michael. I, I said, well, you know, you, you need to um, you know, explain to him the gospel. And I encouraged him because he does believe in creation. I encouraged him to just jump into the book of John. I said, just read the gospel of John and ask the Lord to give you understanding. And I will correspond with you. And together, uh, we can go through John and work through it and ask any questions that you might have. 
Now, I've been corresponding with him, but he has not returned any correspondence that had to do with that study, except the first one. He said, I will definitely do that. But after that, uh, he hasn't responded back to my initiation of seeing how he's doing on his reading of John, any questions he might have. And then I sent him some information about John, but um, he's not responding. He did respond when I just said, you know, how... Uh, praying for your I sent him more a general one that had, had nothing to do with the study and he responded to that one so I don't know I don't know if it's going to be one of those seeds that was planted real quickly and got snatched up by the enemy but I'm praying that God will truly help him to follow through on his desire to have a journey with God that brings me to the end of this uh, um, powerpoint but uh, just a few prayer points uh, our transition from Wellington to Fongaray in 2022, God willing, uh, will be moving from Wellington. Uh, we believe that the work there is progressing well and, and we're not needed. So we're going to move on um, and uh, see what the Lord has for us as we go. Our family, uh, Luke, our son Luke and daughter-in-law Jasmine and their children are living in Fongaray. And so uh, we'll have family close by uh, in that regard. Pray for equipping more leaders uh, in New Zealand, especially using this curriculum that we've been using for the last 15 years probably called uh, BTCP, Bible Training Center for Pastors and Church Leaders. Uh, We are seeing this being used now in about 12 churches in New Zealand. It's also used in the islands, and uh, we've kind of cut the islands loose and let them have their own national program instead of having someone from New Zealand going around to these islands because it's quite expensive to get over there. So um, each country is kind of taking care of their own uh, training. But in New Zealand, we have about 12 churches, and we're praying God will open more doors for uh, this curriculum and concept to go in so that they can equip more leaders. We need, we need men who have a good grounding in the Word of God so that they can teach others also. And the development of leadership and full autonomy at Bible Center, uh, as Francis is being trained, and also other men are getting experience uh, in the home groups and in other opportunities in serving the Lord with their gifts and abilities, that God will raise up um, leadership that can continue that work after uh, Pink is gone, um, because he's not planning on being around too much longer uh, after 2023. So... uh, He did say, though, if Francis isn't ready, he'll stay longer. But uh, if he sees things pretty well moving forward at that point, he'll make a move. Um, Diane, I don't know. She might just stay there. (laughs) She's just fit in so well. It's like her family there. So it's it's really great. So those are some prayer requests. And um, any questions that you might have or any comments that you might have? I guess I've pretty much almost used up my time here. I was going to give you a little devotion, but that's all right. Save that for another time. You can actually see the little devotion I was going to get. There's a card on the back table that kind of gives you some ideas on how you can pray, not only for missionaries, but pray for one another. And there's seven C's and some verses like connect, uh, contacts, uh, care, um, different, different things that uh, you can pray about uh, as people serve the Lord in particular areas that God's placed them. Any questions that you might have? Or comments? And repeat yes. the question, please, too. All right. How many people live in the capital? How many people live in the capital? 
Uh, there's about 400,000 people in Wellington, in the Wellington, Wellington Lower Hutt region. Yes. Yeah. Do the people in New Zealand generally come from foreign countries because there's a lot of different nationalities in our pictures? Yes, they do. <laughs> we, we have a lot of people coming from uh, the Philippines, from China, from the islands of the South Pacific, Samoa. There's more people in Auckland from Samoa than live in Samoa, I believe. <laughs> uh, they have uh, just come a lot of times for a better life. Uh, for education, and then when they get older, a lot of times from the islands, they'll go back to their own homeland to uh, finish out their, their lives. New Zealand is still predominantly European. Mm -hmm. So European background people are not open to the gospel. Yeah. Uh, you, you probably didn't find a lot of European people in those slides. Uh, they, they're not... The easiest ones. <laughs> they tend to uh, be very um, self, self-sufficient. Uh, the Kiwi mindset is uh, number eight, number eight wire, which means you can fix anything with number eight wire. And they have that mentality that I can fix myself spiritually. I don't need any help. And um, but you know, by the grace of God, He saves some from that background, but um, it's not easy. The Maori people, too, are very difficult to reach, although the work in South Auckland is predominantly Maori, and uh, they've got a good outreach to Maori and Samoan people. Samoans are religious by nature. They, they grow up with a lot of uh, Christianity, but a lot of them do not actually know the Lord. They're not born again. It's a cultural Christianity, and so... Uh, the hurdle there is for them to realize they're lost <laughs> so that they can be saved. And, uh, yeah, so it, it is a, a, quite a mismatch of cultures in New Zealand. And I find that quite wonderful to see a church get together and have these different nationalities gathered together, praising the Lord together and, and uh, calling each other brother and sister. But, Yeah, Bev, Bev commented that Filipinos are also very, uh, very social-oriented people, and it's really true. They like to celebrate everything. I mean, if you have anything going on, it's a celebration. And they'll throw, they had one of the little girls that had a birthday, one of the babies, a first birthday. They had five parties at their house, one for their workmates, one for their neighbors, one for the church, one for family, and one for something else. And, oh, man, I mean, every one of them seemed to be quite elaborate. <laughs> so I was exhausted after I heard all they were doing. <laughs> but it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I just love their, their sociability and their desire to just uh, enjoy life. There was a question here as well. Churches. What does that bring in that? What's the structure 
I mentioned earlier that we are trying to get more house churches or house uh, home groups that are functioning more as house churches. And what is the plan there? It's still a plan because we haven't actually had a functioning house church with national leadership. Uh, but we would uh, love to see, and the goal was as the home group expanded, that someone else would open up their home, maybe in another part of uh, the region, and that that home group could develop. And uh, someone in the church would would get equipping and be involved in shepherding that group. At this point, we did go to two home groups, but it seemed like people were coming to both of them, and we didn't really want people to be out every day of the week, and so we brought it back to one home group again. So uh, we haven't got to that point yet, but that is the vision uh, that was stated, that we might be able to multiply home groups and uh, train men to be leaders in those home groups, and in so doing, get pastoral experience and equipping theologically uh, in that in time, maybe they could pastor that particular group, start a church with that. Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. Yes? Right, yeah. So how do, he was asking how home groups get started and with connections in the community, and that's right, we... As God brings in people like Brunel and Eileen who came in, um, they live in another part of Wellington. We haven't started a home group in their home yet, but that is a possibility. And if we can get some more contacts in that area, um, then we could start a home group at their home. And Lord willing, that could develop into a church. That would be the goal. Yeah, so as God brings people in, if they're willing to, uh, to open their home to their neighbors, then, uh, then that's something we would be interested in pursuing. But again, you've got to have leaders for these groups, and it takes time to develop your leadership. So sometimes you, get, you, might, you might grow too fast in your home groups but not have anyone that can jeopard them and care for them. So it's kind of a balancing with the getting the training as well. Well, uh, one more question over here. So the question is, uh, is Diane's daughter a dual citizen? She was born in Alaska. Born in the U.S., She's not a dual citizen at this point, but she's married to a Kiwi. So I believe, yeah, she would have permanent residency, which is almost as good as being a citizen. The only difference is you can't have a passport unless you're a citizen, and you can't run for government unless you're a citizen. Probably you, yeah, I don't know if you can do it in the Olympics or not, but I don't think she's really interested in being in the Olympics. But <laughs> <laughs> But actually, being a permanent resident, you're entitled to everything a citizen is entitled to except for having a passport. You can even get what they call superannuation if you're there long enough. That, that's the same as our Social Security. 
You can vote. Yeah, as a permanent resident. And you pay taxes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, um, Whangarei, where we are planning to move, is far north. It's considered the far north. And Whangarei um, is the biggest city. After that, it's, it's, really, it's really primitive, uh, like no power sometimes. Uh, and um, it's, uh, yeah, but it's very beautiful up there, and it's warmer, not as windy. All right, thank you so much for your questions, and thank you so much for your encouragement in our lives and ministry. We love you, and God bless you. Let's have a word of prayer as uh, we close this evening. Heavenly Father, it's been a delight to hear about uh, the work that's going on there in various places in New Zealand and Wellington, and Lord, we pray that as our brother and sister make a move here in the next uh, year or six months or whatever, that... uh, they will find a, a, a suitable place to be, to live, and uh, be able to revamp their ministry plan so that it will be in accordance with what you would have them to, to accomplish there in that place. God, we pray for the development of national church leaders through the training program and uh, just individual work uh, one-on-one in the churches. We pray that that will be successful and you'll supply churches with leaders because that is so needed and I pray that you will bring men who will excuse me who will be qualified who will love the Lord who will be well equipped in the word able to teach and love God's people and look forward to seeing your hand work in that regard bless Jack and Bev tonight these coming days and as they travel on to their next destination that They will be blessed and be a blessing to others. Keep them strong. Thank you for their good health. We pray that you will uh, prevent uh, them from uh, getting any difficulties or uh, perhaps going back to some difficulties that they had in the past. Remember with uh, some back or, or nerve problems that our sister had. And Lord, we just commend them to you. Pray that you'll help us to continue to be a praying people for them and for all the missionaries that we know and support. We love you, Lord, and thank you for your kindness to us tonight. May you guide us in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.